But we really want to have people connect with the Lord and listen to Him and obey what He's asking them to do. And it's a little bit less about character development. I mean, of course, that's important, but it's more about what's God asking me today? Like who, who's in my sphere of influence that I need to be available to or just saying, yes, Lord, I'm available. How, would, how might you want to use me today? It's just, it's just shifting the way we're thinking about our days. Welcome to the Missions Pastor Podcast presented by One Child. One Child is a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. We believe that the local church has the message of hope that the world desperately needs to hear. And in every episode, we highlight churches, pastors, and ministries who are working to bring that hope to hard places. I'm David Jesse. I'm your host for today's conversation with Dr. Lynn Ellis Gray. Lynn is the Serve the World pastor at Overlake Christian Church in Redmond, Washington. Lynn believes that every follower of Jesus is called to be an active part of God's plan on earth, and her ministry at Overlake is focused on helping more and more people find their role in that plan. And that's why the outreach efforts of Overlake Christian Church are driven by a single question. What would our world look like if every person was living with purpose, joining God's mission in the world? I asked Lynn why that's such an important question to answer. Oh, I love this question. And it actually is loaded and layered, right? So first you have the every person. And, you know, my reading of Ephesians 1 and 2 um, first of chapter one is so packed with Pauline's high view of all these things that are true about us because of what Jesus did. And then leads into that Ephesians 2.10, that we are Christ's workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, right? So the every person piece is us living out the very thing that God has created us for, which is to reflect his image in this world. And then living with purpose um, is the specific thing around intent. Like, what's our unique design? Why me? What do I have to offer this world at this time, at this point in human history? And then the mission of God, because God's on a mission and he has some general purposes that are you know, clear in scripture. But I really believe most of us have been missing the meta-narrative throughout that's woven through scripture hmm. and um you know god is actually on the move and how do we join him in this world and that's the the sweet spot of uh dynamic with the lord in our walk with him so i spewed out a lot there <laughs> no that's awesome that's awesome talk a little bit more about um what you were referring to when you talk about the meta narrative that we sort of miss yeah. um when when we we think about God's mission in the yeah, world. Yeah, well, I I'll, I can refer back to my experience growing up in church and um you know the evangelical churches that I was involved with were really big on applying the word of God. We want to be doers of the word. So as I learned to grow up and read the Bible, I'd read the Bible and the first question somebody would ask is you know, how does this apply to your life or what's standing out to you? And and I think those are really good questions. I don't think they're the great first question because the problem is, is in my very limited scope of who I think I am, 
I'm ask, I'm making it about me instead of asking what I think is the best first question. What does this tell me about God and what he is doing in the world? And then we get around to, well, what do I need to change so that I'm in alignment with what God is doing in the world? Hmm. So that's hmm. where I think the, the meta narrative is God is on a mission. He's seeking out all. <laughs> he desires that all would know him and come into fullness with him and experience that full life that he's offering to all and um, to be, to carry out that mission of reflecting his image to this world for the flourishing of others so that they can be in right relationship with him. He's reconciling. He's invited us to be part of that reconciling effort. And I, I think we just tend to miss the big picture of it. And we get very narrow in the way we, um, come to the Lord where we experience him and his love for us, which is beautiful and great and lavish and hard sometimes and challenging, but we tend to make it very small and specific to us. What's happening to me right now and how God may make me feel better, do more or be a better person as opposed to God, what are you up to? You know, when I, when I look at the world, when I'm seeing the, the crisis in Ukraine what does that mean for me? Or um, hearing about human trafficking, trafficking, is there something that stands out to me that you're calling my heart to or my, you know, what are you calling me to as you move in those places and spaces? So it, it's really having the eyes and the ears to hear and see what he's up to. Yeah, I was reading a book this week um, that made the statement that you know, churches are so focused on what their mission is and their, you know, vision and those types of things. And it's important. And the book is actually about that. But the quote that really stood out to me was, you know, we have to remember that churches don't have a mission. If we're looking at things the right way, we have to remember that God's mission has a church. Mm -hmm. And that sounds to me very similar. Like that shift is what you're talking about on that. That's good. Um, what is, uh, what's your outreach staff and your volunteers? How, how are, how, let me ask it this way. How is your outreach staff and your volunteers? How are they helping individuals there at Overlake live with purpose and then join God's mission? Mm. Well, we, we've like many churches coming out of, um, the COVID shutdown, we're in a shift of ourselves and have had leadership shift, but, um, we continue to just press into this call and none of that has um, shifted, which is great. Um, ideally, we want to raise up co-owners at this church. I mean, we could talk about leadership development, but a lot of people get weird around the word leadership. So I like the term ownership development, that there's shared ownership of being connected to this local church that is hopefully feeding people, helping them grow but really our trajectory is helping them live in a transforming missional way. And so um, I, our team, it's a team of lay leaders, you know, it, it has, has over the years, we've developed similar language and passion for bringing other people along to help them catch their own vision and the mission of God And to really discern, like, what is my unique space in this place? And so it's a a variety of expressions of that. So we have people who just kind of want to jump into what we're doing as a church collectively around 
um, outreach and our international partnerships that we're involved in. We, we do send teams out. Um, I, I really believe if teams are trained well, if we go with a posture of humility and have the right kind of partnerships, teams can actually be a value added. And for sure, it's a value added back to the church to have individuals and teams go and have their hearts awakened and, and have their worldview shifted. Um, but we really want to have people connect with the Lord and listen to him and obey what he's asking them to do. And it's a little bit less about character development. I mean, of course, that's important, but it's more about what's God asking me today? Like who, who's in my sphere of influence that I need to be available to, or just saying, yes, Lord, I'm available. How, how might you want to use me today? It's just, it's just shifting the way we're thinking about our days. And then what else has shown up is actually individuals have that have this really strong calling towards something. And even if we're not doing it as a church, like that's not a main mission emphasis, I never want to say no to people. I want to help equip them to say yes to God. Now, this is a little bit of the rub with mission pastors because we're kind of tired. We're running all over the place anyhow. We have a lot mm -hmm. of uh, partners out there to keep you know, developing partnership with. And then we got a lot of people who want to do things and trying to make the connections, or maybe we don't have a lot of people and we're begging people to inviting them into, <laughs> you know, go take a risk, see what God's doing. Um, but I don't, I want to keep creating space for those individuals who rise up because there's something unique that God's doing in them. And these are the people in our pews. So why wouldn't we pause there and say, God, who have you brought to us? What are you stirring in the people? And how do we just fan that into flame so that there's this uh, release of kingdom living happening all over the place? And it doesn't mean our church has to fund it. It doesn't mean that I'm giving, you know, 80% of my hours, but I, but I want to affirm what God's doing in the life of an individual. Mm -hmm. I do, however, challenge them to find some people to do it with. And we kind of have some steps to coaching them through like the process of launching something new and have clarity around what we can and can't do as a church. Mm -hmm. So they're not, you know, <laughs> I have plenty of people, armchair missionaries who say, Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? I'm like, sounds like God's calling right. you to do this or that. Why don't you step into it? So <laughs> that's awesome. So what are some specific ministries and initiatives that members are engaging in as they're living out their purpose, kind of uncovering it through these, uh, these, this process and conversations and then stepping into what they feel those callings yeah. are? Well, from the church side of it, we, we have actually a variety of, uh, partnerships. We're a church of a long missions history. So we've had missionaries out mm -hmm. there from the very beginning. We, ha we actually have 36 missionaries and partnerships that are long-term and it's a huge number. It's really kind of crazy, a little too much, but it's really difficult to cut any of these people. Cause it's like, you know, telling your grandma, sorry, we can't support you anymore. So we just <laughs> on to people. Um, I will say that most of the folks that were continuing to support who were sent from this church um, are great strategic thinkers. They're in great ministry, but we've kind of clumped it around some initiatives because 
I found after um, first coming here and trying to teach missiology and using the perspectives course, it, it was, I was speaking language that people don't talk here. And but they did understand themes of justice, so we kind of clumped around that. So we we have partnerships around human trafficking, uh, refugee ministry, um, care for vulnerable children and families, and um, we we've had some other ones kind of dot in and out of there. Like we, we were involved with water and water runs, and you know we're doing a world vision water run. And so some of that pops up out of individuals in our church who are saying, Hey, I'm really passionate about this. And they lead forward on um, specific efforts that way. So, um, and then, you know, if they move away, we may or may not continue that, you know, but one of the unique things that are in our context that um, I really feel like we're, we're on the space of stepping into new territory is God has brought the nations into our church. We are in a city that is probably over 50% ethnic minority and our church is reflecting that. Mm-hmm. And we're so thrilled about that. And what's happened is, you know, as I've built relationships with my friends in the church, um, you know, like one friend who's El Salvadorian, you know, during COVID she rallied um, family members to help put care kits together to feed people in her hometown. And we were running uh, discovery Bible studies. And so, and so we were doing them like on zoom and I don't know if you're familiar with DBS, but you know, it's basically everybody leads in that group. We just follow a set of questions and read a passage and they're like, we can do this. So several DBSs got started in other countries on zoom during COVID, you know, so all of that was really beautiful, but you know, now actually a lot of those individuals are stepping up going, I feel called to do this back in, in my home. So we're trying to figure out how do we come alongside and is that our next move of mission sending where it's actually following our people back to their hometowns and figuring out what it looks like for us to show up there with the love of God. Missions and outreach is easier when individual members within the church are passionate about it. I love how Overlake is always looking for ways to release their members into ministries where their heart is already stirred. We'll continue our conversation with Lynn after this brief message from One Child. Together we believe extreme child poverty has an end, and it starts with hope. Hope is a vision for a better future, a way to get there, and the courage to try. And it is built through the church all over the world, coming together as one global community to help children thrive. We create a partnership experience that reflects your heart for the world. Together, we find the point where our mission and vision intersect to address the needs of children living in hard places. Together, we are a community that sees children as solutions, not problems. A community with the courage to go to the hard places. A community that gives so children can thrive. Together, this is us. Your church, a shared vision, celebrating global impact. 
through the local church. For more information, visit onechild.org slash partnership. I asked Lynn to share some stories of people in Overlake who have seen their own lives transformed as they've joined God's mission in the world. She had several stories to share. Well, one set of friends uh, made some wise investment choices that led them to be able to retire early. So they're a unique couple. Um, and they had gone out on their short first short-term mission trip like over 20 years ago uh, to India with a partner we had we had recently had, it was a national pastor and um, that national pastor, Indian pastor was actually starting to reach out to Muslim peoples within his state. And this couple really, whatever God did, they just, their hearts opened to this unreached people group who had no or little exposure or capacity to access the gospel so they came home and started asking questions. What could we do? What could we do more of? They took perspectives in the World Christian Movement that really gave them a good missional framework. They've continued to engage in a variety of different trainings and equipping, some here at Overlake, some outside of Overlake, to really capture a vision of um, work among these and um, this unreached people group specifically. So they found out this group had... There was no prayer movement happening on behalf of this prayer group. So they started literally cold calling churches and asking them if they'd consider praying for this people group. They had pamphlets printed up and prayer guides. And so for several years, there was quite a movement of churches around that prayed specifically for this unreached people group. And then our partner in India got, you know, mobilized some locals there that then started doing outreach they saw fruit happen. And so, you know, now there's some church planning multiplication happening among this unreached people group. And this couple continued to travel back and forth to India at least once a year. They bring people with them to expose them and catch the vision. I mean, really, they have lived their life on mission among these people. But they, they too, have this heart of, like, reading the Bible with anybody who's interested. And they started asking the Lord, you know, you're, you, they didn't feel called to go live over there long-term. They, they have been there for like months at a time, but then they started asking the question about here, like, Lord, who are we missing here? And this people group have not settled here, but they just started doing prayer walks um, down on the South side of Seattle, where a lot of the refugees were being um, resettled and they have had, this tremendous open door just by walking streets and praying where um, families have just started inviting them into their house to share tea as we know our international oh, friends awesome. do, you know, they're so much more hospitable than we are. <laughs> and so my friends just kept going into the houses and now, you know, they, they, they actually are making a move um, south of here and renting a condo and, Uh, so that they can be near neighbors with the friends that they've made. And they have had incredible opportunities to just sit and read scripture on a regular basis with these friends that are Muslim who are interested and wanting to learn about the Bible. And yeah, it's just been amazing. Their own transformation is they are leaders, they are owners. They're very connected to the church. (laughs) And we just had a conversation yesterday about, okay, what's what's that next thing look like for us? bringing others along to catch the vision of that. I've had many people 
people grab on to like a partnership internationally that have, you know, they've become an advocate or a champion. They've developed resources and skills for that work. Um, a lot has happened around our human trafficking initiatives and our partners. I just, I actually just got back from a trip to Spain where we opened up a, a center in one of the cities where a lot of women from North Africa who are really vulnerable scenarios who've been exploited have been, and, you know, so much shame and pressure and still in crisis. And um, we have this partner with a Latino uh, team that's there that uh, has really, they've learned Arabic and they're reaching out to these women. So I took a team of, I took a nurse, I took a trauma specialist, I took a teacher, and we went in there and just ran kind of like a program for a week of self-care, some training and equipping around trauma healing, as most of them have experienced trauma. What's so beautiful is watching the women that were with me on this team as they really got to use what's already in them for something even bigger than what they ever thought, and listening to them as they process coming back. They uh, one of the women has been with me on several teams around this. I, I think she's like, I got to set up a foundation. I need funding so I can travel and do this around <laughs> the whole world. I'm like, let's do it. You know? So I just, I love that heart and people dreaming and believing God for big things. So um, a couple of years ago, we had jumped into doing whatever we could do with some refugee ministry, specifically the Syrian refugee crisis. So we mobilize people to pray, which is always a great way to engage everybody at your church. Um, and we were telling stories. We were trying to look for the right kind of partners or find out who we were already partnered with that was responding to this crisis. Because what we were also hearing was the stories of Muslims showing up in Greece and saying, oh, here, here are these Christian people who are helping us. And they started asking different local workers, you know, who's the man in white? Because, <laughs> you know, God had been going for <laughs> us all this time, right? He's been appearing in dreams and visions as the man in white. And now they were out of country mm. for people to ask these questions. So um, over the course, no joke, over the course of two weeks, I had five different women come up to me and say, Lynn, I think I'm supposed to go on a mission trip with you and I, about for refugees. And I think it's supposed to be Greece. Seriously, these women did not know each other. So I found by the fifth one, I'm like, okay, God, I get it. <laughs> Let's go. And um, we actually did do have a partner in Athens area, but there was a lot of pop-up, you know, ways people were doing relief work and stuff. And um so we, you know, we, I pulled a team together and actually I had three worship leaders on my team, which I thought was interesting. I, I really believe in the power of prayer and prayer walking and worshiping mm -hmm. on site with insight. I, I believe it ushers something of the spirit of God in those places and spaces. So we show up and here's the crazy thing. It was a moving target. I had organization after organization say, oh, sorry, we, we just got kicked out of the camp. We can't help you. The morning we left, we had airline tickets and one night stay in a hotel. <laughs> and so I told these ladies, I'm like, you better be on a big adventure because we'll figure it out as we go. It really was crazy. I usually like being a little more organized, but you know, when you show up where the fruit's falling, not to take advantage of people in their trauma, but to be available if God wants, if somebody needs to ask a question of who's the person, the man in white, 
somebody's got to be there to share, right? So we landed, we weren't sure what we were doing. We went down to one of the camps that we knew was down by the dock. And I, I've been in other countries where I, I, I shared with them, I go, you guys, let's just go prayer walk. But here's what's probably going to happen is these wonderful Middle Eastern people are going to ask you, invite you into their tent space and offer you tea. So you pantomime, you smile, <laughs> you show them a picture of your family, you graciously receive their tea and you say words of blessing, even in English, because I know there's nobody, you know, to translate, but let's just see what God does. So we broke and several of us went in different directions. One of the gals on my team said, she said she was kind of mumbling at God because she's a Spanish speaker. She goes, God, why did you, why did you call me here? Why am I not in some Spanish speaking country? This is ridiculous. This is such a waste of my time and waste of your time. What am I doing here? I think she was anxious about me saying per walk and then sit down and have tea with somebody. But her and this other gal got invited into a tent. They sit down, they start pantomiming, showing pictures of, of their family. And for some reason, this woman looked over at my friend Zandy and she goes, not the one who was complaining to God. She looked at the fairest skinned one and said, Habla Espanol. <laughs> and Zandy pointed to my other friend who oh, wow. then started speaking in Spanish. It turned out this family had spent 10 years in Venezuela before they went back to Syria, wow. before they had to flee Syria. Mm. So they were fluent in Spanish and they had this lovely, incredible connection that yielded in just this beautiful spiritual conversation that planted seeds of the kingdom in this family's heart. So, you know, of course, that gal walked away going, I can't believe I just complained. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. But we know till we show up that God does these amazing things that are bigger than us. And when we get the privilege of having a front row seat on what God is doing, it is transformative. So. That's awesome. What about young people that have engaged uh, in this as they've as they've been released? You know, teenagers and and college students. Have you had any any experience with them really diving in because of of their being released into yeah. God's mission? Oh yeah, we. I, I mean, we see it all the time. I I think it it really changes worldview. So then, even what I've seen is as teenagers have gone and, and we. We do try to do some trips. We we call them service learning trips because we want to go in with humility and we want to learn. And we do a little bit of service. So it's less about this hardcore press of like, hey, I'm doing the short-term mission trip and here's all the stuff we're going to do. And then they got to come back and share about the deliverables. So, but, you know, our, this is a really significant step in their own discipleship and worldview development. Um, I, I hope and I think I'm hearing this from students over the years that I've been here in this church. Um, they are making decisions about college around that, thinking globally. And actually, mm. young people are kind of already there. They, they're they already global thinkers. They're, <laughs> they're multicultural thinkers. They're not so isolated like some of us that have had different growing up experiences. So they're they're ethos about the world is different, but where I do see it showing up is what they're willing, how much debt they're willing to get in <laughs> college. Um, if they have plans where they want to go live overseas or travel overseas or participate in something. So, um, but one, one uh, young person out of our ministry who grew up in the youth ministry went on trip after trip. I mean, he definitely had this heartbeat for it. He 
<clears throat> took initiative in college. I got him connected with um, some partners that were working with refugees that were coming out of Syria. He he was kind of blown away by that experience. He was he was really on his own. It wasn't like this facilitated short term team, but he did really well and connected with my partners that were that were there. And, um, and then it's just continued to develop that heartbeat. Well, he graduated from college, met a gal in college, they got married and their first year of marriage, they moved in with another new married couple into a house in the South where they could be receiving of refugees coming in and be that culture connector for the first month Mm -hmm. or two. So they've just all spent the last year doing that. And then now they're taking off and going to go serve overseas for a period of time. They're, they're still kind of trying to figure out what's the long-term picture of that. But now because they can work remotely, it gives them so much more fluidity. So they don't even have to raise support to go. They're just going to live remotely and work and, engage in some ministry and things with our partners internationally. So I, you know, I love that there's all these different models of how we can go. That, that goes back to that question. We don't have to look at missions as this separate thing for some people, but what does it look like for all of us to live on mission with God? And if, if all of us are practicing listening to the Lord and really knowing what God's voice in our own life sounds like, and then having a posture of yes, it's kind of really up to God to make all the movement happen between people moving, coming and going. So that to me, that's the heart of it. And helping people understand that God's work in this world is bigger than us. And we need to put eyes on it. We need to look at that. We need to see that even in scripture. And once you see it in scripture, you can't unsee it in scripture. Hmm. Hmm. Really good. If you could give one piece of advice to a missions or an outreach pastor that you believe can help, uh, excuse me, let me ask that again. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to a missions or an outreach pastor that you believe can help them better engage their church in God's mission, what would you tell them? Does it just have to be one piece of advice? <laughs> Go, you know what? The floor is yours. Go for it. <laughs> Sorry, I have a lot of advice to give. Um, there's a couple things. In your budget, leave some line item that is called the God zone because God's at work and wherever there's a crisis or a vacuum or a need, that's where people are receptive. So we got to have some space in our budget where we can respond in the moment. And maybe it is just the act of compassion to giving some money towards something that's broken, but really it's about mobilizing the right people for the right scenario so that we can show up in a very important way. So that's one way that that keeps passion uh, alive. So even though you might have your six partners and your six things you do, leave a little space for interruption. Um. Mm. For engaging people, you got to equip them with some tool to help people discover spiritual gifts, invitation for them to do things that feel a little uncomfortable, and then um, launching them towards those opportunities. And then on the on the field side of it, 
make sure you have a couple partners that also know how to engage people that way. Not all of our partners really love teams coming. Don't send the teams to them. (laughs) Go to the ones that really like being part of wooing people to have a heart for the world. Overlake Christian Church is doing so many things right when it comes to outreach and missions. Here are three things I took away from my conversation with Lynn. First, outreach works best when those we lead see themselves as part of a bigger story. It isn't just about the missions and strategies of individual churches. It's about how those missions and strategies fit into God's greater mission and how we are all a part of what he's doing in the world. Second, as our individual members see themselves engaging in God's bigger plan around the world, they see how they can then take what they've been a part of in another country and context and apply that across the street in their own areas of influence. Engaging in global outreach always motivates our members to engage in local outreach. And finally, don't overplan your missions and your outreach. Leave some space in your budget and your strategy for moments when God shows up to do the unexpected. You never know what will happen if you do. I want to thank Lynn for joining me on this episode of the Missions Pastor Podcast. If you want to learn more about Overlake Christian Church, go to OCC.org. And thank you for listening to the Missions Pastor Podcast. This show is presented by One Child. We are a global community of child champions that serves children in poverty so they can discover hope and reach their God-given potential. To learn more about how your church can partner with One Child to bring hope to hard places, go to onechild.org slash partnership.